Would you join me in reading from the book of Acts, chapter 1? In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized you with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Lakeview Church. It is so good to be with you. We are in week three of a series that we are calling Everyday Church. And this morning, I want to talk to you really just about the vision of our church. Where are we heading over the next few years? What is it that God has given us to do? But before we get into this morning's message, I want to just take a moment and welcome every single person who is joining us online. So if you're watching right now in this moment or on demand sometime later, we're so glad that you're here with us. And we just want to let you know that you are welcome here. And so congregation, can we just say hi to those who are joining us online today? <clears throat> now to get us into this message on the vision of our church, I wanted to just spend a few minutes talking about Acts chapter 1. Because I think there are some lessons and truths that come out of Acts chapter 1 that, that kind of help us understand really important things that we need to know and grasp as a congregation as we seek to do what God is asking us to do as a church. When I read Acts chapter 1, the first thing that strikes me is that this is uh, Luke's second work. Luke is writing the book of Acts and he wrote another book in the New Testament, the one that actually has his name. And so there's the Gospel of Luke, and then there's the book of Acts. And so if you were reading those two books together, you'd read the Gospel of Luke, and you'd hear about Jesus' death and his resurrection, and you'd hear about the way that he's commissioning his disciples to go and serve him. And then the first book ends. It's like the end of the first season. And then, and then you have to wait for the second season to be released to figure out what happens next. And, and, and then Luke writes a second book called the book of Acts. And if you think about these two books, the gospel of Luke is really focused on the work of Jesus and the book of Acts is really focused on the work of Jesus' followers. 
And so it's really a continuation of the story. It's just shifting the focus from Jesus himself to the work that Jesus' followers are going to do after Jesus returns to the Father. And as Luke is writing the introduction to his second book, the opening season of this, or the opening part of the second season of Luke's writing, what you discover is that he's teaching them something they need to know about being the followers of Jesus now that Jesus is gone. The first thing that I think he teaches them is that the, the work of the church is powered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus has already commissioned his disciples. He's already told them, you're going to go into all the world and you're going to make disciples and and you're going to baptize them and you're going to teach them. But in this moment, Jesus is saying to them, but before you do any of that, you better go to Jerusalem and you better wait. Wow, there I am. Hi. Welcome to church today. I'm glad you're here. He's telling them, you better go to Jerusalem. You better wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit because it's only when you have the Holy Spirit's power in your life that you're going to be able to do everything that I have asked you to do. Jesus is literally asking his disciples to take everything that he has taught them over three years and then take that into the entire world. And they can't do that in their own strength. They're not that good. And so they've got to go and they've got to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit because the work of the church is powered by the Holy Spirit. And I want to just remind us again today that we cannot do what God is asking us to do as a church if we are trying to do it in our own strength and in our own power and in our own wisdom and in our own knowledge. We are not that good. We need the power and the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to rest upon our lives and our families and our homes and our church so that we can become everything that God wants us to be. This is why spiritual fervency is so important to our church. We must be people of prayer. We must be people of the word of God. We must seek God with all of our heart because when we do that, we will find him. And he will put his hand of favor on us. And he will use us for his purposes. The work of the church is powered by the Holy Spirit. The second thing I think we learn from Acts chapter 1, though, is that the mission of the church goes from here to everywhere. Jesus is talking to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, and we're getting really close to the end now. He's already been raised from the dead. He's, he's given his life as a sacrifice for sins, buried in a borrowed tomb, raised on the third day. He's appearing to his disciples for 40 days. He's telling them to go and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And now he says to them, and guys, what I want you to do is take this mission from here to everywhere. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says to them, you're going to go to Jerusalem, you're going to wait, and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And this power of the Holy Spirit, it's not just given so you can say, look, I've got the power of the Holy Spirit. It's actually not given for you. The power of the Holy Spirit is given to you for the benefit of the world. You receive the power of the Holy Spirit so you can become witnesses. And some of you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life. You want more of his power, more of his presence, more of his anointing. And my challenge and my encouragement to you is just get on mission with Jesus. 
You start sharing your faith. You start looking for ways to lead people into a relationship with God and reconcile God's lost kids back to himself. And I'm telling you right now, God will pour out his Holy Spirit in new and fresh ways in your life like you've never experienced before. Because the Holy Spirit is given for the benefit of the world. And this mission is from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. You got to understand when Jesus is talking to his disciples, they are in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is their hometown. And so when he says the mission starts in Jerusalem, they're like, great, we live here. This is awesome. But it's also for Judea. So that means you got you to expand your, your borders just a little bit and go, go to the next little part. And then, then it gets more challenging because Jesus says, and Samaria. Now, if you know anything about the Jewish culture in Jesus' day, you'll know that Jews and Samaritans did not get along. They did not like to be together. They did not want to be in the same room. They had different viewpoints, different perspectives, different ways of viewing things. And yet Jesus is here saying, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even the places you don't want to go, the people you don't want to be around, even, even there, the mission goes there. And to the ends of the earth, everywhere people are, that's where the mission goes. And by the way, in case you forgot, you can't do it until you receive the power from the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the work of the church is powered by the Holy Spirit. The mission of the church is from here to everywhere. And the third thing I think we learn from Acts chapter one is that the measure of the church is faithfulness. The measure of the church is faithfulness. At the end of this passage that Jim read for us, verse 11, two white-robed men just appear before the disciples and they say, what are you doing looking up in the sky? What's wrong with you guys? I mean, now you understand why they're looking up in the sky. Jesus was just in front of them. And then a cloud came and Jesus started to go up into the sky. You would be standing there looking up too, thinking, what just happened? But these two white robed men appear in front of the disciples and they basically say, what are you guys doing? What are you looking up there for? Jesus just told you what your mission is. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit because you've got to go reach the world. Don't stand here and look up in the sky. Get to work. I think that's what they're saying to the disciples. Why are you standing here remembering that Jesus was raised from the dead and now Jesus has ascended to the Father and one day he's going to return. He's going to come back for you. But between resurrection and return, you've got work to do. So go get to work. And, and, and what I want us to see here is that the measure of the church is not how much we celebrate the resurrection. We should celebrate it. It changes everything. But the measure of a church is not how much we celebrate the resurrection. And the measure of a church is not even how much we long for his return. Though we should long for his return. Right? All throughout the New Testament, we hear this call of the church. Even so, come Lord Jesus. 
They were asking for him to return. They were waiting for him to return. They were longing for him to return. And we should have that in our lives too. We are between resurrection and return. But the challenge of the church is not just to ponder and celebrate the resurrection or long for and expect his return. The challenge put in front of the church is to be faithful to the work that Jesus has given us to do. The measure of the church is faithfulness. Are we doing what God has given us to do? And what is our work here at Lakeview Church? What is our work here at Lakeview Church? I'm so very glad that you asked me because I've just been waiting all morning to tell you. We have a very similar kind of commission that Jesus gave his disciples because we too are the disciples of Jesus. And our commission, just like the disciples, goes from where we are right here in this room all the way out to everywhere. And it starts here in our church. And we went through a process a few years ago when I first came. We, we launched in, in the fall of 2020. We went through a 90-day prayer challenge where I challenged every single one of you to pray for vision and for unity and for courage. And we prayed for those things for 90 days and we invited you to come and be a part of focus groups and we asked you questions about what your thoughts and your prayers were leading you to believe about our future here at Lakeview Church. And so many of you came. In fact, 160 of you came in those 11 focus groups and we asked you questions and we took pages and pages and pages of notes. And, and then there was a team of people, board members and staff members and church members who met for uh, hours and hours and hours throughout the fall of 2020 and into the spring of 2021. And we were writing, taking all of the notes, all of the thoughts, all of the insight that you had given to us and turning that into a vision. And we were basically just trying to articulate what is it that God is asking us to do? And we wrote a vision document, which as a congregation, we approved in May of 2021 to say, this is what we believe God is leading us to focus on for the next five years years. And if you look at that vision statement, you'll see that it, it focuses on here at our church, in our community, beyond our community, and all the way into other parts of the world. Because we are followers of Jesus. We take the commission of Jesus in Acts 1-8 very seriously, that we are called to be witnesses in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samaria, and even to the very ends of the earth. So let me just take a few moments here, and that's all I got, because we got a meeting after this service, and I want to make sure that we're honoring your time. But let me just take a few minutes and walk through each of those four things. Right here at our church, we believe we are called to be a church that equips disciples to make disciples. And we've boiled this down to a very, very simple process. We've just simply said what we want for everybody in our church is for you to come and gather with God's people on a Sunday morning and experience a worship service where you can be in the presence of God among your brothers and sisters and you can discover more of who God is because in a worship service, God reveals himself and we respond to that revelation. He reveals himself and we respond to that revelation. And when that happens, we are changed and we are transformed. 
And we've invited every single person into, uh, to move from this large group into a smaller group where you can experience community, where you can be encouraged, and you can study the scriptures together, and you can spend time praying for one another, and you can identify your next steps and hold one another accountable. That's why we want everybody to be in a small group, because that's where you grow the best, when you're in relationship with other people who are on the journey with you. And in fact, we have small groups that are starting this summer. And if you've never been in a small group, we want to encourage you to just try one out for a few weeks. Our summer small groups have a shorter session, and this is a great time for you to just try it out. You can start at the beginning of the summer, and just a few weeks later, it will be over. So just try it out. It's not, you're not signing your life away. You're not making a commitment to do this until the end of time. You're just saying, just for the summer, just try it out. Just connect with people and enjoy that small group engagement. We ask people, weekly worship, small group. And then we ask people, serve on the dream team. Find your gifts and your talents and your abilities and ask God, where do you want me to use these to build your church? And then get involved and help the church by using what God has given you to serve and minister to others. And then we ask every single person to be an everyday missionary. You have a network of relationships and God wants you to make a difference in that network of relationships. And so find those people, intercede for them, invest in them and invite them to follow Jesus and check out our church. And we would just encourage you to do all of those things. And if you do, here's what I know to be true. You will grow in your faith. You will become more like Jesus. You will take steps of generosity as you learn to live more generously with God's help. And you will discover that God is using your life to make a difference in this world for him. So we encourage you to do that. In our vision, we just believe that if everybody does this, our church is going to grow. And that's what we want to see happen. And some of you might say, oh, that's all you care about is growing the church. Guilty. I'll own that. I want every human being to be in the church. And I don't think we can ever stop growing the church until everyone is in the church. And so, yes, I want to see our church grow. I want to see more and more and more people joining this community of faith because you are great people. You love the Lord. You are growing in your faith. You are pursuing him with all that is within you. And I want everybody in our community to know people like you so that their faith can imitate yours and together we can grow to become who Jesus wants us to be. I want to see us grow and we are growing. Over this last year, we grew by 10% in our morning worship attendance. Thank you, Dick. I'm glad you're with me this morning. <clears throat> we grew by 10% over this last year in our morning worship attendance. 44 people gave their hearts to Christ in this last year. Eleven of those people walked into the waters of baptism and publicly professed their faith to say, I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to Jesus and I am going to serve him for the rest of my life. 
And 25 new people became members of our church in this last year, saying, I want to be a part of this community. I want, to, I want to be held accountable by this community, and I want to contribute to this community. God is working in our church, and we ought to be grateful. But here's the thing. It's not just about our church. Lots of churches make this mistake. They think it's just, just about what happens inside the four walls, and it's not. We actually want to grow bigger as a church so that we can make more of an impact in our community. See, one of the results of a growing church is an impacted community, a community that's being transformed. And this is why we have a counseling center. We believe there are people in our county who need people to come alongside of them to help them pursue health and, and wholeness. And so we have a professional Christian counseling center. And while this is not a stat that we should celebrate, it does show that we are serving our community well. We are up almost 20% in clients over where we were this time last year. Now, I celebrate the fact that we have more counselors who are able to serve that growing demand, but my heart hurts that there are more and more and more people who are in need of that kind of health and, and healing and wholeness. And I want to see our church do everything we can to continue to meet those needs because there's still people who need counseling, who need help, and we want to help them. It's why we have a Christian school. We have always believed that we're going to come alongside families and students, and, and as a church, we're going to invest in them, not just to give them an education, but to give them an education from a Christ-centered perspective. And this last year, we've walked through the accreditation process in our school. We're still waiting, Mrs. Strons, for that final report. But all the signs are good. And that's all I'm going to say. That's all I can legally say from the platform, okay? The signs are good from the accreditation process. And we're just waiting for that final report in June. And we're excited about what God's doing there. Not only that, though, what we're invested in local partnerships. We partner with places like the Pregnancy Help Center and the Chaplaincy Department at the Grant County Sheriff, and, and we're involved in the Marion Police Department Chaplaincy, and we're involved with Grant County Rescue Mission, and we, we're involved with things like Feed the Street. Why? Because we believe a church is called to meet needs and make a difference in its community. And we believe in that and we're committed to that. And we, we have people who come to the church and they request benevolence help. They, they're, they're having problems with an electric bill or, or they need to figure out how they're going to put food on their table. And, and we want to help people in those situations. Why? Because Jesus said we should. That's all the reason we need. Jesus said we ought to do that. And so we do. And when you give to our church, you put money in those boxes back there or you log in online and you give a gift. I just want you to know that your financial resources go to support those local partnerships. We take money that you give to us and we invest it in them. We don't reinvent the wheel and try to replicate those ministries inside of our church. We just partner with other good organizations already doing good work and we invest in them to let their work go forward. And when you give, you are investing in those ministries. I want to just encourage you to keep giving. The most important way that we make a difference in our community is when you reach your friends. All of that other stuff that I just said is so important, and we're going to keep doing all of that. 
But if we really want to be faithful to what God is asking us to do, I want every single one of us to have the joy in this next 12 months of leading one person, at least one person, to faith in Jesus Christ. Because that's what every single one of us who are followers of Jesus are called to do. We're called to have ministry that happens inside of our church and we're called to have ministry that happens in our community, but we're also called to have ministry that happens outside of our community. And when I define our community, I think of our community as Marion and Grant County, but our mission doesn't stop at the borders of Grant County. It goes beyond that. In fact, we invest in a network of churches that we're a part of known as the Crossroads District of the Wesleyan Church. It's a collection of 109 churches that exists from just south of Indianapolis all the way to the northern border of our state. And we invest in that network of churches. A portion of our tithes and offerings goes into that network and it's used to train and develop pastors and lay leaders in those congregations. And it's used to help existing churches that are struggling go through a process of revitalization so that they can begin to be more effective in the mission of Christ. And it invests dollars in church planting so that communities can be reached that today are not being reached. And we invest in that. There's another portion of our tithes and offerings that also gets invested in the broader Wesleyan church. And you may or may not be familiar with this, but we actually invest money in five educational institutions. We invest money at Indiana Wesleyan and Houghton, which is in New York, for those of you who don't know, Southern Wesleyan, which is in South Carolina, Oklahoma Wesleyan, which is in Oklahoma, and we invest in Kingswood, which is north of the border up in Canada, eh? Some of you got that. So it, it is hockey playoff time, although there are no Canadian teams left in the playoffs. So, um, but I digress. We're almost out of time. So what was I saying? Kingswood. And then there's one more institution that we invest in, Wesley Seminary, which is right here in Marion. It's the only seminary that serves the Wesleyan Church, as a Wesleyan institution. And part of our resources go into that uh, educational effort across our denomination. It's part of what we do. We do that as a Wesleyan church. But we don't just invest in those things. We also have other organizations that exist in other parts of our country, and we invest in those because we want to see the work of God go forward. And so we, we invest in people and organizations like Forge, which is the organization led by Dwight Robertson. And we invest money in that every single month because we believe they're doing good kingdom work. We invest in other agencies and other organizations and other individuals in our nation that are doing work. And right here in North America, we invest in mission partnerships like the one we have with our brothers and sisters in Irapuato. We send mission teams there. We go to those those mission organizations and we invest there. Because we believe that God has called us not just to serve here in Grant County, but to go beyond that outside of our community. And then we don't just stop in North America. We actually go beyond North America and we reach into the other parts of the world. You may or may not know this, but we support 17 missionaries that serve around the world. So when you give to our church, those dollars, part of those dollars get invested into those missionaries. 
And that is allowing them to serve on mission fields where many of us will never go. We might get to go there. Some of us might. But, but we invest dollars into those places so that the work of God can continue forward. Not only that, but we've taken on partnerships. Uh, the newest partnership is our partnership in Zambia with the African Wesleyan University College. And uh, they are just getting ready to have a groundbreaking on the campus this coming week. I was just talking to a pastor in Zambia on Thursday, and he's making travel plans to be there for the groundbreaking, and it's going to be a wonderful time. And that, that college, that university that's getting formed there, we're one of the initial partner churches to make that happen. And God has been raising up additional people to invest in that, additional organizations, and it looks like we're going to be able to break ground and begin to build buildings there which is a really critical part in Zambia to being able to establish that university. And this is the first Wesleyan University outside of North America. This is a really significant thing. Yeah, it's okay to clap. That, that university is going to raise up educators and nurses and pastors who will serve the entire nation of Zambia and, and even the entire continent of Africa. And we get to be a part of that. We're doing things through those kind of partnerships that, that we can only do through those partnerships. We can't physically travel everywhere in the world and do all of these things, but we can develop partnerships and invest our time and our prayers and our resources to see this mission go from here to everywhere. God has called our church together for this time, this season, so that we can make disciples transform the community and multiply the church from here to everywhere. And I want to just invite each and every one of us as we move into this next year. And for those of you who don't know, our fiscal year begins on May the 1st. So I know it sounds like a January 1st message because I keep saying this new year, this new year. Organizationally, it is a new year. And as we walk into this new year, I want to just encourage each and every one of us to just lean in with our prayers, our giving, our service, our investment, our lives, because God wants to do something in us and through us that will last for eternity. It will last for eternity. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, Kale is going to come and give us some closing announcements some, and some instructions before our local church conference begins. I will just say that a local church conference is a time for our members to meet and to, to deliberate and to vote and elect officers. But if you're not a member and you'd like to stay, you're welcome to stay. We'd love to have you be a part of that. And so feel free to stay if you choose to do so. Let me pray for us this morning. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you are doing in and through Lakeview Church. God, thank you for the growth that we have seen over this last year. Thank you, God, for um, the people who have made commitments to Jesus, the people who have walked into the waters of baptism, the people who have taken first steps like giving for the first time or um, or maybe signing up for a membership class, or maybe joining a small group for the first time, or maybe deciding to serve in a ministry. God, there are lots of first steps that have happened in this last year, and we give you thanks for each and every one of them. And God, we're praying in this next year that there will be more and more next steps that are taken so that we can continue to journey with you into the future that you have for us. So God, we give you our future 
And we just simply ask God that while we exist in this space between resurrection and return, would you help us to be faithful in the meantime? And as we are faithful, may you get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.